Alright, what's up everybody? Laugh not die later. Um, live from Memo's basement. A little friendship Memo's basement. Thank you, Memo, for letting me use your basement. And um, yeah, I think that's my favorite part of uh, that's my way of introducing my guests. Same where, where we're recording from, from all the most random places. And uh, today my guest uh, is Dante. Dante Sin, I guess. Um, DJ, event, uh, what it was for, uh, event planner, event producer, curator. Yeah, everything, uh, everything. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Oh, Spectrum. Um, the reason I, I think I chose you, I've been I kind of like knowing about you for a while, but I think I forget. I really forget. I was having a conversation somewhere, maybe with Memo or Dylan. And I think they brought up that like you book around shows or around Mexico. Yeah. Uh, and like, I got, I don't remember the conversation or place or who it was, but I remember that sticking with me at the time. Because I was like, oh, that's like hardcore. And I mean, like a DIY punk band or a hardcore yeah. band, but like in a whole, and you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and to me, I, coming from hardcore punk, I was like, oh, that's, this only happens in hardcore and punk. Like, this is only a hardcore thing. Like, you know, this is the only way, like this only could happen in hardcore. So I'm like, oh, so this happens. With basically whatever the hell you want, you know what I mean? Like, the, I guess it's a mentality more than a, a music. But yeah, um, introduce yourself. Uh, yeah, how's yeah. it going? Uh, yeah, um, Dante Sin, uh, DJ, producer, curator, booker. Um, yeah, but it's interesting you say that because I feel like I also like uh, I've watched a lot of like hardcore uh, like performances um, that happen like in the Midwest and shit like that, and they do have like that industrial. Um, like vibe where they'll get a random like abandoned church or stuff like that or like abandoned warehouse and bring sound and create an event but also i mean primarily for me since i work in um electronic music uh you know like underground uh rave culture and like is also it's like it's the same thing i think at the end of the day it's just like it's like a very punk thing you yeah. know of just finding a space to occupy and having like a uh, lineup in mind and a certain experience and then just creating it for the people in your scene, you know? Yeah, yeah, basically. Which, because like, I think the, the the more deep you dig into hardcore or like the more you start running shows and more DIY, like the the rave, you see the unity people who are like, oh, there's a rave show. I'm like, what? I mean, it's like, oh, the same, like it's kind of the same people sometimes. Yeah. Like some people inter interwent to that scene. And um, yeah, let's talk about you're from the IE. Yeah, well, I'm from Pomona. Yeah, I'm. I'm is that uh, IE? Uh, it's not IE. Pomona is like the last city in LA County before the Inland Empire. Um, but yeah, right now I'm living in Riverside, like on my grandpa's ranch. That's kind of where I've created my home base. Like, um, but I work in LA. I'm, I'm hardly there right now, but because I'm 
almost always in LA, but I like living like outside of the city. Yeah, kind of like to rest. To, like, yeah, it's just it's just for reset. Like I don't know. I feel like I um, I get overly stimulated, and like I feel like uh, sometimes when like I just want to feel like disconnected, it's nice to be able to go home, and it's just like not the city. You know, mm. the city's just a lot sometimes. Yeah, too much noise. Yeah. And uh, yeah, how was growing up in Pomona? Oh, how was, your, how was your family? Oh. Yeah, because you mentioned your gran- your grandpa. I mean, your your dad. Oh yeah, yeah. Your dad is also a DJ. Yeah, um, yeah. Growing up in Pomona was interesting because uh, I don't know. Pomona has tendencies of being like a very like uh, intense and like violent city. Really? Um, because I think Pomona is like one of those cities that like when a lot of people left LA, um, Pomona was like a hub. Like Pomona, when I was growing up there, was like. I don't know, like 80% Mexican, you know, and my grandpa moved from Mexico to Compton. And then so when he left Compton, because he wanted to just buy a house where he whether he found a house that he could afford was Pomona. Mm. So I feel like it was just like a city that a lot of people that migrated here from Mexico came to L.A. first to set up home base. When they left L.A., they went to Pomona. And then I think that later became like, you know, San Bernardino. And it just got deeper and deeper that mm. way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, growing in Pomona was was interesting. Um, Low-key, I, I realized as an adult that that's where my love for music came because, like, I lived in between two, like, different gang territories, so I never was allowed to leave my house. Like, my mom was, like, super overprotective, which now I'm grateful for because all my homies growing up all ended up in gangs. So it was, like, a very small detail in my life that kind of, uh, you know, I used to hate it as a kid, not being able to go and play on the block, whatever, go to the park, but that's kind of where the love for music came because it's like I was just like okay well I have my CD player or I had like a lot of like documentaries on DVD of like different bands so I literally started just doing that like listening to music all the time because I couldn't leave my house so that was like um, a really important uh, part in my like musical development that I didn't really realize at the time being stuck at home were you like shy? Because like, I think I saw pictures of you like when you were younger and like you had like huge like before the diet you had like huge hair. I was like, what yeah. The? So no, I don't. I wouldn't say I was shy. It was just really just honestly just having an overprotective mom. To be honest, it's just she just was not gonna let me go roam the city, especially because I think she understood that it wasn't safe. Was but, your mom like like old school or like like because mm-hmm. like like I know because you say your dad's a DJ is still doing it. Yeah, like, that seems more like a. a open-minded seem of lifestyle and your mom's like on the opposite end or yeah well, what was that well yeah my mom was born um my mom was born in torrance so like when my grandpa came from mexico in that time frame uh there was like a law that if your kid was born in the u.s you would get papers so like my grandpa only came to work and he was going to go back to mexico but then he heard of that and my grandma was pregnant with my mom so he sent for my grandma to come and cross the border pregnant with my mom and had her in Torrance so then they were able to get like documentation like papers and stuff um so my mom is like Mexican-American but very Mexican mm. you know like she's Chicana but not really like you know we speak in Spanglish but she's really Mexican at heart and she just kind of had like I don't know like I wouldn't say she was like super strict but definitely like you know just made sure I wasn't getting into trouble like having good grades into her like that or just yeah, on all that level, too. Like, I've always been pretty good at school as well. Like, it, school kind of came easy for me. I got, like, I don't know. Well, except for math. 
Um, but like English and like uh, history and science was all pretty good for me. So I did good in school. Like I went to college like right out of high school, but I dropped out. And then I was just started doing more music stuff. And then I went back. I finished one degree, and then I dropped out again. Well, I mean, I'm just putting it on pause. I just like figured that like pursuing music would be more important to me than getting a degree. And I just feel like you can get a degree at any age. It's like I could, just, you know, and I'm almost done with it. So I just didn't really. I just figured right now. I think it's a good time to just like uh, do what I want to do which is like music and explore that and just see what's on the other side of um, doing music related things, you know? And you started uh, throw that, doing like throwing around like parties slash events at 15. Um, so at, at 15, I started, I was a part of events. That's when I like first was introduced to like raves and like clubs, all ages clubs and which were really crazy. And why are they um, crazy? Because it's it's an all age club, <laughs> you know. It's like it's a bunch of kids that like you know, um, you know. Isn't that like a, isn't that kind of like a, a recipe for like older folks to like come hit on like younger people? Dude, I mean, from what I remember, I I never it really was just a bunch of younger kids. I don't really remember older people coming to these events when I was there. Like I never remember seeing like older cats. I'm sure they were there. But it really was just like a little subculture that it's happened. Like just kids going hard. No, bro. I'm telling you, like it's you know. It's when I first like tried like Four Loco and like you know when it was still an energy drink and like drinking Mad Dogs and you're having your homie's cousin who's 21 buy it and you're like 16, 17 like drinking in a parking lot on alcohol that's obviously extremely strong and it's just like an era where like you know it's kind of what it was it was like obviously a I don't think it exists anymore, and for you know, probably for a good reason. All just, ages club. All ages. Are they? I don't know. I mean, I don't really see them. They were really trendy at the time. They were everywhere. Uh, they were here in HP. They were in LA. They were in San Bernardino. They were in Pomona. It was like an era. It was a thing. It was an era, you know. And it was like, um, where did it, it come from? Where like, or like, how did it start? Like someone opened one, or like someone was like opening a bunch, or like. I think. It I had, mean, it sounds like. Kind of crazy. It's because that was during the era when EDC was still at the Coliseum in LA. Mm. So I think just rave culture, club culture was kind of like, it was a certain era where um, people wanted that, you oh, know? Okay. And it just like, people put it, put them together and everyone just flocked. This one like shuffling, like first got super big. Oh, okay, I get you. You know, it was like that era. I think it might've been like- But like Skrillex popped in that time? That's when Skrillex had just started. You know, like, because Skrillex and Deadmau5... That was that long ago, holy shit. Yeah, because Skrillex and Deadmau5 were super important um, artists for me, but it was also because that was the era when they... Were, were mainstream. Were, no, 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 when before they went mainstream. Oh, okay, okay. So it's like being able... I was I was listening to Skrillex, all those releases that now are like, you know, are, you know... What made him get the signature that he had, I was pretty much downloading that music on blogs and stuff in real time. So mm -hmm. like it was like seeing these artists like reach that level because electronic music really wasn't um, that mainstream. Like it, you can only hear electronic music on the radio, like on power tools and stuff like that, which was like I think like a late night show um, that you would have to tune in really late to hear electronic music on the radio. And I remember vividly like getting picked up from school and like hearing like the first time I heard like an electronic record, but like at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. It was like a Britney Spears, um, she did like some type of like dubstep kind of track. I can't remember what it's called. But I remember like listening to it and I was like, oh shit, like electronic music is is going to where, you know? And now it's 
so much time has passed that I feel like uh, electronic music is like really normal, you know, where like in that era, if you listen to electronic music, it was like a little bit, you know, it wasn't really as common. Cause like, I think of like, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm pretty ignorant to the, to the topic, but as much as I know, like that era, I remember when I was a kid, like I was like a, like I was like, like I was a kid kid, like when that came out. So I remember like seeing that, like, like, you know, everybody, like all the older kids or like my older cousins were like, yo, this is a shit. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, this is like, we're cool. Cause we listen to this. Yeah. But, uh, but I think in that moment, electronic music became like, you know, like pretty and like nice. You know what I mean? Like oh, accessible. Cause the, the only, the only thing I remember, like when electronic music in general was big was like skinny puppy. Mm-hmm. And like that era when it was like industrial, but like they were selling like out big places. Yeah. yeah. But, um, how do you go from your mom being strict not letting you out, <laughs> like you know what I mean. Like don't go like out to like being fifteen or like sixteen and, and DJing at a club at a yeah, fifteen. Yeah. Well, like, like the truth is like, well, my mom would pick me up at midnight. So when I was DJing clubs when I was like fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, like my mom was parked in the parking lot. Really? Yeah. That's like, so she was she was strict, but she was super supportive, which was like, okay, well, like, let's crazy. let's work a deal out where it was like, okay, I'll let you do this thing, because you know, imagine her, she was tripped. I was like, mom, I got booked to play this event, and she's like, what? Like, and I'm just showing her, I'm on the flyer, like, and it was just like, yeah, she would just wait for me, and I would go in, I would DJ, I'd look at the time, and it was like, okay, gotta go. And then when I got when I turned like 17, 17, 18 era is when like she finally said, like did just let me. Yeah. Um, you know, I could leave the, I could leave at two, or I could stay at the homie's crib. So I was like DJing with a homie, and I was like, "Bro, I'm gonna stay at your house." And all the time, I'm like, "Hey, I'm staying at his house." So I was already like done deal. So share like kind of like because well, were your parents together at the time? Yeah, yeah, they were. So like, were you like kind of low key like inspired by your dad? Um, I, I don't know. I've had like a super deep like grown up adult adult thought about that. Is that my dad never taught me how to DJ like or you know he he I never listed him as an inspiration but like sometimes I think that maybe I also just did it for like acceptance that became into a passion you know what I'm saying like I did it where I was like okay well if I DJ then maybe my dad will fuck with me a little bit more uh, you know internally I don't think I process I process that as an adult where it's like shit maybe that could have been it you know cause yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like nowadays every time I go and I DJ Puerto Rico or Mexico City I always send him a video of like when it looks crazy it's like look like I'm doing things that are like you know and like that's rarely like the times I talk to him is whenever I'm just putting him on and like look look what I accomplished so are your parents together now? no no did you, did you think like him continue to DJ at a, at an older age. Were you only child? No, I have a younger sister. Yeah. So, like, well, having two kids, mm-hmm. you think that ruined the relationship? Um, and like, you were kind of the byproduct of like, n- like seeing your dad not be there. Well, I mean, not to put my parents' business out there like that, but like, yeah. my mom and my dad met at the club. Like, uh-huh. my my mom was going to the club that my dad was DJing at, and they kind of started having a fling, and then you know, accidentally got knocked up with me. You know, at a really young age, like we're talking about like, you know, like 21, 22 years old. So then like, I feel that, um, little friend, Memo's conversation is going to be, I know, for real. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like that's their own, uh, well, yeah, the reason I bring that up because yeah. like your mom, whatever, having like. Like, you know, seeing your dad also a DJ. Yeah. And then seeing her, her kid, like, at a young age, like, getting booked, like, it must be, like, a weird, like, 
know what I mean? Like, like there must be like something there for her to like support you. Like, not yeah. a lot of Mexican moms at all are you know, taking yeah. their kids to like go DJ. No, let for alone sure. like, oh, my husband also DJs. Yeah. And also like, I mean, I just think realistically, around the same time that I started DJing is also, I guess, the same time that like my parents' marriage officially was kind of falling apart, like in full. You know, because it was always just like a hard life having to like them constantly not be on the same page yeah but it was also because you know they weren't supposed to be like it was kind of like you know i'm an accident baby like a lot of people but in that era of like mexican culture you you're forced to get married yeah. and stuff so it's like i think that was the dilemma but then so i think because i started djing during that hard part of my life i feel like my mom was more so supportive because that support needed to be there you know what I'm saying because everything else in my family life wasn't good like she needed to get along with you like how could she not get along with yeah you? or how could she not support me when she knows that what we're going through at home you know mm. at the end of the day it's like it gave me you know it's where some kids go play soccer you know it's like they go to soccer to get their minds off things like for me it became like DJ, DJ and it was constantly like doing live streams like back in the day and like you know like um gigs and like jam sessions with my friends but like at a young age so I feel like that's probably where the support I've never asked her but I mean I could see how that was my interest at the time so she was willing to back it because she knew that I needed something that's you it. know okay. did your mom put you on like like um did your mom put you on like a conversation like oh this is like like be careful with like you know the the nightlife, I guess? Or, like, did yeah. you learn that on your own? Um, no, I feel like my mom's always been very transparent with me um, about that, about all the dangers and stuff. And, like, even to this day, you know, like, there's things that I carry with me. Like, my mom is very, like, you're going out, never... Like, I have it programmed in my brain, programmed in my brain that if I go out, I'm never putting my drink down. That's just, since I was little, my mom would always tell me, like, don't leave your drink unattended. And I, and I still have that energy. And... It actually, that lesson that was engraved in my head actually saved me at a, um, I had a, you know, I was with, I had a band for a little bit and we were jamming a lot and playing shows and um, after the show we were going to take photos and I put the, my drink down to take the photo and I never put my drink down. So as soon as I put it down, I felt a weird vibe. We take the photo. When I look, I saw a dude hit the shoulder to my drink, like turn around and like, and I was like, kind of, I was like, did he just? Walk over, bro. The left side of my drink is all foamy. And I confront this fool. He looks all, like, tweaked. And he's just like, no, like... And he was, like, the son of the owner of the space or something. And, like, that was, like... Thanks to my mom engraving since I was little. Like, never leave your drink unattended. Like, never put your drink down. Like, you know... And Do you, do you know why that? Why he, or what was the intention? Like, I don't know. The, I never, what you wanted? Like, I, I, I never know. And, like, you know, I'm glad that I was able to, like, see it before I drank it, you know? Because like, yeah, who knows what it was. It could have been anything. It could have been crazy. something that fucked me up mentally. It could have been just MDMA. It could have been acid. Who knows? It just, just being drugged against your will is just such a trash thing. And um, yeah, but like, thanks to my mom and like her like little, you know, like telling me things like that. She, I feel like I was prepared um, for those kind of things. Obviously I feel like in nightlife, it's like, uh, really hard to avoid those things unless you're like super like strong-willed but um, I think like the things that she engraved in my head uh, did help me to a certain extent but obviously duh you know I still went and still tried different types of substances throughout my life 
but that was more of like a personal choice yeah, and like yeah. my own thing aside of like what you know obviously I know I was doing the wrong thing but you know it was just like a phase in my life and like it's I'm just hyped that like now that's not it's so far from what I want or like even crave you know like it's I don't, I don't need that anymore it was just like something when I was younger that I had curiosity about yeah well it seems like you know because to a lot of people like like say something like hardcore or punk or art or um, yeah, like hip hop or anything that's more like accessible or not like I mean hardcore is looked down on, but now I feel like you could make you know it's easier to like make the arguments like oh there's like something here or like there's something great about liking it compared to like nightlife. You know what I mean? That's like you know like that's so mainstream. Like everybody you know goes out at night and parties. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. hard to like convince someone that oh I'm like. Like I'm passionate about putting this together. Like I, I don't give a. F- I actually give a fuck about the music that's playing. Exactly. You know what I mean? Um, uh, how? Um, where the fuck was it? How was it? How was? How was it like? Like knowing that you're gonna actually do this. Like you know, you're a kid. Like you're just, you're yeah. just DJing. Like you know, it's fun. But when yeah. when did it become like? Oh, like I'm actually like. This is not something I kind of like and yeah. could do. There's like something like that I really like want to do. Well, dude, like I feel like it happened right away because I got lucky and it was like just timing and everything. But like right when I came into the scene, like my first era of DJing, which was from 15 to like 18, like I we experienced success, you know, like so during that era, like we were getting booked to play OC. We were getting we went and I played in Alaska like as the last gig that I did under that era, like the pin, the, the, the mountaintop for that era was I went and DJed in Alaska for New Year's, like flown out, everything, you know? So it was like, in that era, I knew that I wanted to do this, but it was just such an immature perspective on it, you know? It was like, uh, yeah, like, you know, what any teenager would think is, you know, being a successful artist. And then I think my perspective on the value of what it actually means evolved through time. Then after that, I had another era. And then I DJed with another homie. And then that also, we went to San Francisco. We were doing things that like showed that there was future and like, you know, like potential in what I was doing. And then that evolved into me making beats. And then I started singing. And then I did that for a little bit. That also had, you know, I played festivals. I did a lot of cool things. And then that evolved into playing with my band. And then with my band, we toured. We went to Mexico. We toured, we played Mexico City, Tijuana, like, you know, and then this new era that I'm in, it was like a full circle moment back to my origins, which is just like electronic music and like doing events, you know? So it just, I'm just been flowing with my artistic journey. And I feel like the whole time it's been, I've known that this is what I want to do is just manifested in so many different ways. And I just kind of just roll with it every time it changes. What's been the coolest show you play? Top three. <sighs> Top three shows. Dang. Or that maybe they weren't even like the littest, but like you're like, oh, I'm proud of it. Well, I think the the Alaska one when I was 18, that was amazing because, you know, I think being flown out and it was New Year's, it was snowing outside. The event was like at an indoor water park. Mm. You know, it was it was very abstract. Like I'm outside smoking a joint and like it's snowing and there's girls in bikinis lining up and like dudes in shorts, like trying to hurry up in because it's freezing. But inside it's like humid and there's slides and it's all like hot water kind of activity. No, it was nuts, you know, but it was like so that show was like, I'll never forget it. You know, I think with my band, um, I think like we had like a one year anniversary show at the rooftop of the Fox Theater that was like extremely memorable. 
Um, you know, it's like the first time playing a show and like really hearing people sing the songs back to you and stuff like that, which that always hits like, you know, in a certain way. And then, I mean, right now, the current phase that I'm in right now, I feel like every show has just kind of been an experience in its own because I don't know, every event is different and like it, you feel so many different types of way depending where it is, what you're playing, you know, like how you woke up feeling that morning. So I think, I don't know, the top three is hard because I've literally, I've played so many shows, like so many different types, you know? Have you, have you ever stopped DJing uh, for like a long period of time? Yeah, it was like when I started the band. So it's like I DJed from like 15 to like 23. And then at 23, I stopped and then started like the band stuff, did that for like three or four years. So I stopped DJing for like four years, I guess, yeah. For those four years, was there any... Uh, a bigger reason besides the band that you stopped? No, that was it. It was just like, it was a creative choice, you know? Cause when you DJ, you're playing other people's music. And like, I just mm -hmm. got into, went down the rabbit hole of trying to make my own music. And it started with beats. And then I was like, then I was like, well, let me try to sing. And then like my voice sounded decent. So I was like, okay, well, let me explore this. Then I developed my voice a little bit. And then like, you know, well, you know, Dylan, then me and Dylan, like, you know, he was drumming for me on my beat stuff. And I was like, dude, like, let, you want to start a band? Like, you know, I can, I, I grew up playing basic guitar. So I was like, I, I could play rhythm, you know, like, I know basic chords. And yeah, we just started a band. Um, and that's kind of what like pulled me away from it. And then we made a lot of like really like amazing uh complex records, you know, with like different time signatures and like lyrics that like have double, triple meanings and, you know, just explore the artistic side of me that I think is like really important. And it was like, you know, it was an amazing era. And at the time it's like, I didn't really have, you know, any necessity to DJ. Cause it's like, we were just playing shows and I was just so about writing songs, you know, like putting lyrics and like finding new ways of saying things and like new melodies. So it was like different, but I think right now with like the current time frame and everything, cause like having a band is like super hard um, and it was just like DJing kind of just like, I accidentally came back to DJing. I didn't even really do it on purpose. I just DJed like a flea market for like my homegirl. And then it kind of just snowballed into me being like, wait, like I, I could do this again. And then it, now it's just makes sense why everything kind of led to it because it's like, I'm back and it's like, I'm doing things that are bigger than I've ever done in the electronic music realm. Mm. You know, but I always try to bring like the because like I had like an I have like an alternative band, so I was always trying to bring electronic elements to that. You know, kind of like what Provoker's doing. You know, I was trying to almost go in that direction of like band meets electronic. Like, how can we do more? Like, you know, how do we bring auto tune? How do we bring synths? How do we bring samples to the to the experience? You know, and um, uh, yeah, and now I'm just like back in the electronic music realm. And that's just how everything kind of just unfolded. Do you, um, what do you, what would you say, like, is the, your favorite part about being a DJ, like, like crowd-wise? Like, what is the favorite thing, like, the best feeling or, or, or sight you have, and what's, like, and what would you say it's, like, the worst thing of, of yeah. that? Well, I think the best thing is that, like, you, you're in charge of curating the sonics for any given room, you know? So if it, wherever you're DJing and the people are in that room, they are now at your mercy of what you want to play. Mm. And it's the, how you're saying like the good and the bad. Cause the good is that I, I love my curation. I feel like I, 
I put a lot of thought into my music and what I pick to choose. Uh, when I what I choose to play at any party or whatever, I'm putting a lot of thought into it. I'm working on it like month in advance. Like it's not just I'm here playing songs that are on my flash drive. It's like you know I've been carefully choosing these records because I feel like they would be a vibe for the night and for that moment that I'm DJing in. But that's also the bad part is that you know you curate, but there's a chance that maybe the people that come don't understand the music or or aren't ready to process those kind of sounds. And, um... Do you, you, know, you have a story of a really bad night? What happened? Do you have a story of a really bad night? Mm-mm-mm-mm, a really bad night. Not necessarily, because also because I'm, like, a very anxious person. Like, I always wear shades, and, like, I don't really look up. Mm-hmm. You know? So I always just work to please me. And it's like, if, if I like what I'm playing, then that's fine so I feel like I've never I don't don't think I have a good record that I looked up so much that I knew that it was a bad night I'm sure there was some you know and sometimes or you would I would see clips you know like the next day and it's like I played one of my favorite songs that I thought was the best and I'm just having the best time but then everyone's just kind of standing there you know Mm. so it's like not really because it's like respectfully I know more than them you know what I'm Mm. saying this is my passion this is what I do like that is my role but you know, and I always know what songs I could play that are more pop hits that, yeah, they would get their crowd's reaction, but that's not the point. You know, if you want just every, you want to hear what you're, whatever the whole city's playing, just go to any of these places. You know, mm. it's, it's there. The whole point is to try to like introduce people to new sounds, introduce people to things that might make them uncomfortable, but for good reasons, because in a few months it might be what they love the most, but they don't know it yet. You know, so it's like trying to expose people to sounds that they're not normally exposed to, you know? I'm not gonna just always play that same song that gets the party going, you know, just because I know that it will. Could I do that? Yes, very easily. But that's not my goal, you know? My goal is to try to like, um, yeah, expose people to new sounds, create curiosity, and not only that, but create a subculture. Like, if this isn't the music that you like, you're in LA, there's a lot of other places you can go. But when you're coming to my events, to my sets, this is what it is, you know? If you don't understand it, that's cool. If you, you know, if you what, don't want to- What makes your event a your event? Like what makes like, what, what, what can people expect from, from your side? Well, I think the only thing that can be expected is that it's the curation, is that every time I'm gonna curate an experience, you know, and it's not always gonna be the same. Mm. It's always gonna be electronic based. Sometimes it's gonna be heavy. Sometimes it's gonna be light and rhythmic. Sometimes it's gonna be dark, like, but at the end of the day, it's curated by me. So it's like, uh, that is the attached, you know, that it's like, if, if you've experienced it, or if you know me, if you listen to the kind of music that I listen to, you know, it's almost just. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
start putting your trust in me that it's like, okay, this fool does electronic music stuff. I'm open to whatever he's going to curate and just trust that like um, what I curated is going to be an experience for you. Whether or not, you know, you like it or not, that's on you. But that's what makes my party me mine is that I'm the curator and I'm the one that's putting the thought into, well, if this person plays at this time and then if that leads into this, this will be the vibe, you know? Or if, mm. if I bring this person from New York or this person from Mexico City and mix them with this person from LA, you're gonna get a sound clash that you would never have got because they're in two separate worlds. Mm. So I think that really is, at the end of the day, what is making um, what I do unique to me is that I'm doing it. But I'm doing it with like so much intention that I think it shows um, if you experience these events, you know, like, and if you're interested in that type of music, because that's like the biggest thing. If you don't like electronic music, then it's just not really going to be your place. Mm. You know, how do you how do you spend? Well, what's your process to like put a put something uh, cur cur curate to curate? Yeah, yeah. Uh, your st your stuff together. Like, um, do you like how, how do you like? First of all, how do you like do? You, how does your process to, like find music? And second of all, like, do you go based on the night, place, date? Or yeah, what's what's your mindset? Do you just like like you you're on the story like Shazam your music? Yeah, like that's kind of what I just like. I just like oh I, I like this and I just no Shazam. yeah I'm I'm like a I'm a serial Shazammer for sure like <laughs> about like you know it's a to catching songs on the go. I always feel like it's like Pokemon. Like if you're like driving somewhere and you hear a song, I'm always Shazamming for sure. What else? But for, for my parties though and my events, like it starts with the love of music and like of. I use Spotify and SoundCloud. Those are my two avenues for music discovery. So it's like pretty much just deep diving. You know, it's like I love having my headphones on like as much as I can throughout a day. So, and, and when I'm doing that, it's like either I'm listening to random playlists or I'm trying to, dis you know, sometimes I'm trying to discover new music. Other times I'm just brushing up on stuff I saved that I've been storing. And I think once I start listening to music and also experiencing it live, I start developing like a vision, you know, like the party we had this past weekend with Bapari and Angel Dust, like Bapari was one of the first DJs in this new era of mine that I saw live on accident at like some rave in downtown that as soon as I walked in, I was automatically like, whatever they're doing is right because sonically it just wasn't what you normally get on a random Friday night, Saturday night. So it was like, so with them, they were like, the artist that I wish I could book right off the bat. But when I first started my events, you know, it was like, I didn't have budgets. I didn't have anything, you know? So it's taking me some time to like build up my event and stuff. But it was like something like that. Like I discovered Bapari at this event. I always knew that I wanted to book her and then time passed. And then I got the opportunity to do so. And you know, that was, and then I paired, um, paired her with Angel Dust, which is like, he plays a lot of like heavier, um, techno industrial you know hardcore kind of stuff but in the electronic sense um because electronic you know there's a hardcore and electronic yeah yeah, yeah. So, like, <laughs> so i'm not like yeah, yeah you're like no nah, man there's only hard there's only one hardcore brother yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, <laughs> yeah. you're the wrong definition of hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah but so yeah i mean i just i do that like listen to music um sonically try to discover artists that are doing things that are not you know, the conventional or, you know, just, yeah, just listening to a lot of music and just deep diving and then, and connecting with other scenes, you know, cause like with Mexico and stuff, like I try to, to spend a lot of time in like Tijuana and Mexico city, 
trying to like just understand that scene and like you know their sounds and how they move and then trying to create that overlap and connection with LA and how things are done over here but it's just a little bit of that like booking artists that like I personally think that their music and the way that they play is unique and then pairing them with other artists as like you know support to create like a, a lineup you know like on Friday it was like me I went I played and then before Bapari so I kind of like curated a set that was like to set the tone so I was like okay as people are walking into the warehouse as it's filling up this will be the opening music to that right before Bapari goes on and then really comes in with you know their curation and what they are going to choose to play which was incredible and then Angel does at the end because he just came in playing heavier stuff and then that just kind of was the way I, the thought that went into that event so every event is different you know sometimes I book um it's always going to be different. Sometimes I book artists that aren't heavy. They have more of a melodic and like happy rhythmic energy and I have to do a whole nother flip for that. You know, I, I, I'm not going to pair them with heavy artists. I'm going to do a different, you know, um, curation for that event. And it just, it just varies, you know, but it does stem from um, loving music and wanting to discover new music, you know, because imagine, you know, because I think like the LA hardcore scene is cool, but it's just like, the only thing I wish I could see is more bands that are like unknown but are good. Mm. You know, it's like it seems like of course all the big bands, of course, are gonna be playing the same lineups. But like I just think like there's gotta be a lot of hardcore bands that like don't have any traction or maybe need help coming from fucking the East Coast or whatever. And like you know, I'm more so focused on like bringing exposure to the artists that aren't getting the exposure yet. You know, a lot of the artists that I've been booking in LA, it's their first time playing in LA. Not all of them, but like a lot of the artists that I do book, they've never even played here. So mm -hmm. it's like bringing sounds and artists from other parts that like, you know, are, they're just not there yet to be that artist that's just getting chosen for the show, you know? Mm. So that's a lot, that's really part of it as well. Well, it goes with my next question. Um, like, I mean, like, I was just hardcore as an example, like there's like punk, mm -hmm. like the street, like crust punk, and then there's like, like more on the nicer side of punk and there's like hardcore punk and there's that intertwines like power violence mm -hmm. and then there's like hardcore mainstream hardcore yeah that kind of intertwines with like pop punk that intertwines with like like just like more like you know it, it all kind of but it all it's separate you know what i mean yeah so like oh like grindcore you know what i mean that's a whole nother you know what I mean? that doesn't interwine with pop punk yeah you know what i mean like there's all these Different and even in the little subgenres, there's different scenes. Mm -hmm. Is rave music the same? Where it's like you're not gonna see the gothic dude at the Mexican like yeah. rave, like you know what I mean? Like is that like the same thing? Or like or or if I were to go to rave like uh like kind of like a bicep rave, you know what I mean? Am I yeah. gonna see the gothic like industrial person? Yeah. Or is or is it the same? Well, I feel like um, it, there's definitely subsections because. In electronic music, you know, there's techno, there's house, there's dubstep, there's trance, there's drum and bass, there's hardcore, there's guaracha, there's, you know, uh, tech crazy. Th there, there is a lot of different genres in the same sense. And yeah, like, you know, the in the electronic world, the people who are into techno are the more goth looking ones. You go to a techno event, everyone's gonna be in black for the most part. Okay. You know, they're more into the that kind of 
world the house you're gonna get more of the dudes in the button-up shirts with like you know showing a little bit of chest hair or whatever you know so it's like these each the same way and then you get into the hardcore stuff and then there you're gonna start seeing you know everyone who's more into the weirder more exotic sounds that are more in your face and it also does create you know but i think like i think i'm a good example because like i listen to all those genres and i go to all those events so i think at the end of the day like you know, it comes down to your own musical preference. And like, for me, like I, you know, in the electronic world, there's not really an electronic genre that I like less than the other. So I'm open to all of them, but in the world itself, especially with like the rise of techno and house becoming mainstream, it has created like, you know, um, a different, uh, a different set of people that go to these events and stuff. But, at the end of the day, I feel like certain genres that like are uprising that are currently like, you know, cause DJs will switch, you know? It's like when I first started, I was DJing like, you know, like fidget tech house, like real tech house, not like what people think tech house is now. Cause that changed. Um, you know, I was playing like tribal and I was playing Mombaton mm -hmm. and like, I was like doing these certain sounds. And then after that I did house and I was doing like house G house. And then I had like that era where I was just doing house music and then that ended. And then right now I'm just like on an open format kind of plateau of like just more so just trying to curate for any given space, but definitely leaning towards like electronic sounds that mesh well together. Like in my sets, you're always going to get a little bit of everything kind of mixed in. I'm not a techno DJ. I'm not a house DJ. I don't really play those genres per se, but things that are derivative of that, I do play, you know? So... Um, yeah, I forgot the question. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say like like on like like hardware or punk or metal. Um, oh yeah, yeah. People no, are on the separate, but like like so the rave rave music, the well, rave world is kind of the rave world is kind of mixed, and um, because you never know, you know, like uh, who's gonna like what. And at the end of the day, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of punks and a lot of hardcore people out there that do like electronic music. And you know, you do. There's a lot. There has to be. You know? I, 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 there's a lot. Yeah, I mean, there has to be. And at the end of the day, you know, that's the whole point is, you know, whether or not they come to the shows, that's different. But I mean, I've seen punk foos at my shows, like, you know, like, and, you know, because the way they dress, you could just tell they're punk foos and stuff. So it's like, it, it depends. You're not going to get like this, you know, it's not going to be obvious. But at the end of the day, it's like, I'm trying to create a space where it's, it, my, my events, for the most part, cater to like Mexican culture and like Latin culture. Um, it pretty much, yeah. yeah, yeah you know, yeah. like I, I feel like I, I've been, I've done a lot of consecutive parties where all the DJs are Mexican. You know, like I don't promote it because I think that's lame to like use being Mexican as a reason. To Latinx get event. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, come in, come to the Latinx <laughs> rave. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's like I don't believe in exploiting your culture to get ahead. Yeah. So it's like. But if you look closely read between the lines, you'll see that like I've done a lot of raves and events where all the DJs are Mexican, um, just because I feel like it's necessary. And in that it's creating, you know, different types of people coming to this event, these events, because again, I feel like maybe why maybe a lot of punk foods that do like electronic music don't go to these events is because they've gone and seen this demographic and been like, bro, these people are not, these are not the type of people I'm trying to kick it with, you know? Yeah. But I'm hoping to create like a certain subculture where it, it there isn't really a, you know, it's there's not a uniform for, you know, if you know how to dress, if you, you know, if you know how to have a good time, you can come here and just chill and it's not, no one's gonna be pressed by like what your background is, you know, like what are your main interests are, what your aesthetic is or how you dress. 
Um, I'm trying to create a space that like is inclusive and well, I guess I can't say that because like I am trying to like create a space that's inclusive for the freaks and for the people who are weirder and for the people who don't normally have a place to go to. This place for the open-minded. Yeah, for the open-minded, I guess. Yeah. But not even open-minded because I mean, it, there's a lot of people that are open-minded that I wouldn't want in my parties. And it's like not to make it racial, but it's like, like, I don't know, like a lot of the white people that like come to LA and like are living their like Hollywood fantasy and stuff. Like I just got tired of going to parties that were all white, you know? Mm. Like I was got tired of going to raves or clubs and it's like, I'm like, bro, it's like, it's, there's really only a few Mexican people here. I don't feel included. I, you know, I feel kind of weird and just pretty much saying, well, what if I could flip it? And I had a party that is mostly Mexican and then the white people that do come, which they're welcome to, you know, it's not, I'm not, it's like, but now they have to feel that feeling of like, shit, like I'm one of the only white people here. So yeah. they, they can you hear, you hear people talk Spanish, you hear songs that you never heard of. It's like, exactly. Now you're the one. Exactly. Yeah. Now you're the one that has to feel that feeling that I felt. And not, you know, obviously you don't want anyone to feel that feeling, but I'm just focused on me and like, and the people that I think I represent, which is, you know, like I'm from Pomona, like, you know, like this West Coast, Southern California, like Mexican American culture that I think I represent and that's why since it's my event that's what it's fueled by you know yeah, it's yeah. like I'm, I'm trying to put a reflection of why I'm in it but it's like this Mexican American event that is presented to the world for anyone but obviously you know again normally when things are for like you can't even say the open mind it really is for people who are freaks you gotta be down to listen to some stuff that's deconstructed some stuff that some people would be like bro why are you putting this on and don't understand it it's like I'm doing it for the people who are open to the... So the, the Mexican-Americans are open-minded, basically. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I don't even know. It's, it's really to everyone, but it's just like, that's, you know, the, that's where... It well, all, they can relate to you. They can relate to your events. Yeah, so, I guess like, so, yeah. It's like, if, yeah. You, if, you're, if you would be friends with that person, then most likely will like your event. Yeah, it's, you know... Unlike, unlike music, where it's like your music could be, as long as it's good, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, you could like this song, even though you don't hate, you hate the person, but with you, with... Ray music, it's like you're really showing your personality because yeah. it's music that you like. Yeah. And it's together. nice because it's all intended if you like to dance and let loose, like that's all it's for. You know what I'm saying? You don't need to pull up with anybody. You don't need to like have no one to dance with. Like pull up by yourself. You just could like, just be chilling in the side with, you know, just chilling, glasses on, close your eyes and just dance. Like if you feel the beat and you're and you can dance and let loose, you know, you're gonna have a great time because no one is there everyone's just doing the same thing everyone's facing the dj you know uh, that's how it is out here everyone faces the dj dances and that's it like it's not you know there's not much to it to like be a part of it you just have to be down to like dance and have a good time and like feel the music and let it take you wherever it does because the genres will change the rhythms will change you know get later in the night it gets heavier whatever you know well the next part is uh touring mexico is crazy Mm -hmm. Living in Mexico is crazy. Mexico is something else. Living in Mexico by itself is crazy. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of uh, a lot of people born like in the U.S. and like primarily like live their whole life in the U.S. Yeah. Once you go to Mexico, you're like, oh, like no, it's 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 a whole other it's a whole other body. It's a whole no, it's a whole other world. And like, how is that touring Mexico? It it's something else because like the, the I've done two parties in Mexico City. Um, and when I, we did them again, like DIY, like we found a house and like we brought the sound, all that stuff. And pretty much like the homie, he's from out there. He kind of like called me one day. He's like, hey, I just want to let you know, like we need to have money on hand to pay 
the cartel just in case it comes by and the cops just in case they come by. And it was like having that as like a pre-show talk, like, hey, we have to have money on hand so we can deal with this quickly if it happens. And if the cops come, you just give them this much and they leave. If the fools that work for the cartel come, they might ask for money or they might just ask to just come into your event, you know? So it's like out there, like the cartels regulate drug sales in all the events. So no one's allowed to sell in certain areas other than them. So it's like right away, it's like you got to make sure no one's selling in the restroom and stuff like that because that's where the problems come. But that's a different kind of dynamic than putting together a show in LA. You know, it's like you don't have to worry about those kind of things. So I think that was like my biggest takeaway was like having to be ready for those kind of dynamics of like, you know, having to pay people off to keep the peace. But and then even people are partying. They're like partying with like, with like, like with some like with some weight on their shoulder, you know what I mean? Like, because you're partying, but you also got a low key like no, for sure. Even like going home, it's like like the aftermath. No, like, every, you know what I mean? everything like, about it's a different kind of tension. Like you know, I had a um, a homegirl tell me a story about she was partying, and you know, I think she took like MDMA or something. But like the seller for the event hadn't got there, so when he noticed that she was on something, he pressed her to figure out where she bought that MDMA while she was on it. And it was like things like that where it's like you're getting pressed at the club by the dude that sells it that works for some type of organized crime type of thing. And you're getting pressed for what you took. Exactly. And it's they're asking you for bread, like straight up. Like they're not messing with they're not messing you're not messing with these fools' money and but then that's why it's you know, it's pros and cons. Like at the end of the day, for me, coming from like LA over there, like fuck it, you know, it's it's their reality and for me it's like, you know, I'm entering it briefly for like whatever event I'm doing, but just being prepared for it and just handling it and like, you know, trying to problem solve through it. Cause it's like, you can't change that. You can't change that society and the way that it's geared. But for a lot of people, that's, that's their life. And that's what they have to deal with on a daily basis. And anytime that they try to organize, you know, but I also feel like that's why I think in Mexico city, they have a lot of really passionate people. Like the people in Mexico City that I feel that are really doing the underground shit and willing to risk it all, they're, they're a little bit different. Cause think about the odds that they're having to like push against to just do something that we just do cause we can, you know? Like they have to be willing to risk a lot to be involved or to, you know, put events together. No, yeah, I mean, there's a difference between like, I'm gonna throw a party and be like, oh, I'm trying to throw a legit rave. I'm yeah. gonna fly out someone, you know what I mean? Exactly. I'm like, you know what I mean? It's like, you could like you could just- And you wanna keep everyone safe too. Yeah, it's like, you keep, like, I'm, like your homie, for example, you could've just like, I'm gonna put a shelf on Spotify, bring people, you know what I mean, just party. But it's like, no, I'm trying to like, I like, I know what I like, and I know like what I'm doing, and I'm gonna do it right. And you know what I mean? That's, you know, that's- Yeah. Like, yeah, like that's a- yeah, that's crazy. That's yeah, crazy. but I, but I don't know. I have a lot of respect for like you know even like the homies in Juarez and like the homies Damn. in Tijuana. Like, cause my dad's from Juarez too, so it's like I have an extra soft spot for everyone from Juarez because I, you know, there's Juarez and Tijuana are like these border cities that like have taken turns being one of the most dangerous cities in the world. You know, so it's like right now Tijuana holds the the seat for the most dangerous. Juarez for a long time was the most dangerous city in the world. Now it's Tijuana, and you know there's something different about people being willing to still uh, create spaces, safe spaces for people to experience something that's so basic, which like I told you, it's to go dance, to chill, to have a, have a good time with your friends. You know, it's deeper than just doing drugs and being fucked up. It's really about decompression and like expression, you know, like being able to put on whatever you want to put on, show up and have a good time. But it's like, 
you know, everyone in Tijuana and, and, and Juarez that are still pushing through violence and like, you know, oppression and all these things and are still finding ways of creating these spaces for people. It's like, I have a different kind of respect for that because it's dense, you know, and like I've been there, I've experienced it. And it's why I'm super for it. Like right now I'm currently working on like doing my first, my own party. I've DJed in Tijuana a good amount of times, but I'm about to do my party in Tijuana with the homie. So it's just like, uh, yeah, like continuing to push back on those spaces because of, because the same way I see that importance too, you know? Like it's important for people to also see that like, it's not that taboo to go to these places. Yeah, they're dangerous, but it's like, bro, we live in LA. Like, we're not gonna act like LA is like this safe space. There's hella blocks we can drive up right now. I mean, you could have a lot of problems that we don't wanna have, but we're from here. We don't go down those blocks. You know what I'm saying? We stick to certain streets, we stick to certain areas, but I just don't like like that taboo from like, even like, you know, Mexican American people that never been to Mexico, like not understanding that it's like, bro, like it's cool, you know, like, yeah, it's dangerous, but it's, no different than out here. You keep you mind your business. You're gonna, you know, you're not gonna be doing no fuck shit. Like, you're you not gotta, gonna. You gotta learn to learn. You got, you're, yeah. You're not gonna face any problems that you know how to respect the space. You know how to read a room. The room gets tense. You see some fools getting into some shit. Get the fuck out of there. It's not anything deeper than being street smart and just knowing how to move. But obviously, some people don't have that. And it's why, like, I always give speeches to the homies when the homies come with us to TJ for a weekend or something. I always gotta make sure, like, yo, hey. I'm just saying this just to say it because it needs to be said. Someone looks at you funny, look away. Someone steps on your shoes, too bad. Like, it's like, bro, like, this is not the place for you yeah. to think that you can, you know, be a tough guy or, you know, and it's where you end up in those kind of scenarios. It's like, bro, it's a different world. Out here, they will, you will disappear. And then only because you're American, maybe they'll try to find you, but they probably won't. You know, you know it's, that's just reality for these people out here. Like, it's not, it's not a game. It's not like... It's to be taken serious where, you know, I think in the US and like Cali, Los Angeles, like people take that shit for granted and say, oh yeah, well, I'll just get in this fight and then I'll just get out of jail in the morning or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. like, no, bro, like it's not that kind of world. And um, just respecting the land and like the people is all you need to really just enjoy Mexico. You know, it's like, even if you don't speak Spanish, like you're with someone that speaks Spanish, you're cool. Learn when not to talk, you know, if it comes to that. You know, we're talking to cops because we're getting pressed don't say anything you know it's just it's just knowledge that you just have to have that like i'm lucky enough to have built over experience and like going into mexico so much as a kid um i feel like and then speaking spanish like perfectly fine like you know i don't have a problem communicating in spanish so it makes it easy for me to navigate these spaces and not uh keep myself out of trouble you know like not get into something i don't want to be in and yeah, just like, and again, let the magic of that shine because once you make it through all that adversity, there's this really beautiful, unique moment that you can only experience in these places. What I experienced in Tijuana, super unique to what that place has to offer. What I experienced in Juarez, very unique to that place. What I experienced in Mexico City, super unique to that territory. So I'm saying like the land itself has like something magical about it that like, you know, with the people that gather, the people that come to these events, the people you meet and it's, I don't know, there's something really special about it that I, I'm super for and I kind of just want to break the taboo of like, you know, it's like going to Mexico isn't as, it isn't. It can it be done. It, 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 you can go to Mexico and yeah. come back and it's fine, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and uh, you're, you're gonna be 30. Yeah. You're gonna be 30, you're, uh, you've, uh, you're not some guy who like, just like, you know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, you, no. like you know what you're doing. Yeah. You definitely know what you're doing. 
you uh, have outside curated knowledge to do what you're doing. You're very passionate. You know what I mean? Like, um, you're in a very, uh, in a way, like you're in a very popular business in the sense that a lot of people do it. Yeah. But you're in a very niche side of it where you're like actually like it's DIY. It's not just you know what I mean. Not like you're not going like it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. But that being said, you th- you know you think you're gonna be doing this like forever. Um, do you see yourself like stop doing it and like do something else with your life? I don't I don't think so. I mean, I feel like this life has everything that you want. That I want and what I need because like I told you like it keeps evolving and I don't want to think about what it's going to evolve into next, but where I'm at right now is perfect. Like, you know, like right now I feel perfectly grounded. You know, I'm glad that, you know, I'm dealing with all these things at 29. You know, it's like when I was 15, I made a lot of mistakes. When I was 21, I made a lot of mistakes. When I was 24, I made a lot of mistakes. But right now, the mistake margin is very, very slim. I'm not making that many mistakes. I'm more so applying knowledge and I'm like executing. So I'm more so in like right now trying to like, I'm trying to create an empire, um, which is like DT33, you know, like it's this multimedia experience that, you know, it won't always be events. Sometimes it will be, you know, it's like, and I'm still developing the concept, but again, I don't want to think about necessarily what, how long or whatever, because like every time I, you know, I, I, it just keeps evolving. You know, when I was younger, I used to see like turning 30 as like this crazy thing. Like I was like, well, by 30, I don't have this and that. I'm not going to do it. I'm quitting. I'm going to just do something normal. But now that I'm here, it's just like, yo, like, no, it's just, you realize how normal it is to struggle for something you want that at the end of the day, like, we all make our choices and, you know, like I'm moving more towards production and realistically production is forever. You know what I'm saying? Events and spaces are always going to exist. And whether or not I end up just becoming like a creative director or like an executive producer, you know, those are realities that I can live from here till whenever, you know, at least until retirement, which what is for normal people that work normal jobs, like 60 or something. I don't know. I'm either, but you know, I just, I I mean, like your life, like the more you like, if you have passion for anything, art, music, punk, whatever the fuck, uh, even, I don't know, having a, I don't know, whatever the hell, you have passion for something, you're going to, you're going to dig through those, through that tunnel and you realize that life isn't black and white. Yeah. So your life doesn't have to be black and white. At all. Literally not. It's not that. It just... You can get married tomorrow, so be a DJ. Yeah. It, you can I, have a kid, so be a DJ. For sure. There's not really anything, you know. Um, and even that, it's like, it's, it's events, it's gatherings, you know, and those events and gatherings can change, and the music I'll play will change. You, you can know? stop being a DJ and still throw events. Literally. You, can, you know what I mean? Either or. It's like, there is no, like... You're not going to just be the guy, like, who's, you know what I mean? You can do whatever. Like, it's why I'm just open to whatever comes next, but right now, this, like, DT33 thing is... I see something that I haven't seen in any of my other projects and it's just like that global connection that I've always wanted of like, you know, creating ties with, with Japan and Brazil and New York and fucking Mexico. Like the, and that's what I've always wanted is just to create this like, you know, connection with the world that allows me to see the world at the same time I'm making money to survive and, you know, at the same time, just being that creative that I want to be in, inside, you know, and not limiting myself and just exploring it to its full potential. And just like, again, you know, maybe I do choose to not be a creative one day, but I just, you know, I don't know. Whatever's next, I'm down. But like right now, 
I have a very fixed goal and vision and I don't know, I'm not really, I'm, I'm definitely thinking steps ahead, but not that ahead, you know, to what's next. I'm thinking- You're doing what you want, but you're doing it right. Yeah, yeah. pretty much, yeah. Anything else you wanna say? Um, yeah, thanks for having me, this was cool. Yeah, thank yeah. everybody for listening.